0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Project Zion. This podcast explores the unique spiritual and theological gifts the Restoration offers for today's world. Project Zion is sponsored by the Latter-day Seekers team from Community of Christ.
1: Project Scion Podcast. I'm your host, Carla Long, and I'm happy to be hosting our next installment of Holy Grounds, a series which discusses how spiritual practices influence lives all over the church. My guest today is a pretty awesome guy because I once terrified him by driving 180 on the Autobahn in Germany, and he's still my friend. (laughs) So, Scott, hi. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, and thanks for still being my friend.
0: Hi, Carla. Thanks for bringing back those memories. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> oh, sorry about that.
0: <laughs> that. That was a new experience for me on the Audubon with you. So but an... thanks for caring, being a good driver.
1: Oh, yeah, mostly good. And that tiny little Picasso that started to shake around 160. I remember it well. Um,
0: it was It's a memory. It's a good memory. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: something. <laughs> so, Scott, um, tell us about yourself. What do you do? All that jazz.
0: Well, currently, I have the uh, privilege of serving as a member of the First Presidency of Community of Christ. I serve as a counselor to uh, President uh, Stephen I uh, was called into the council or the First Presidency in uh, at the World Conference in 2013, and so have uh, been uh, blessed and to uh, privileged to serve in that uh, in that specific role since that time. In addition to that, my my role and function in the presidency, I I also serve as the director of field ministries, which means that I I work directly with the the council of twelve apostles and and supervise the council and really work in, in collaboration with them about the the mission of the church out into the uh, almost sixty different nations where um, the presence of community of Christ is located. So that uh, is a uh, Sometimes is an overwhelming uh, kind of responsibility trying to deal with all the the, uh, different cultures and experiences. But, uh, again, a wonderful experience to partner with such gifted and and passionate uh, leaders in the church that uh, serve in uh, the role of apostle in the Council of Twelve. So that uh, is my current function. I did, uh, in 2010 to 2013, had the privilege of serving in the Council of Twelve. Um, and had a uh, field in in the USA, which uh, I deeply loved that uh, opportunity. And I've also served as a mission center president and as a director of uh, human resources for the uh, international church. Well, that's been a part of my my experience uh, as a full-time minister um, working and serving with Community of Christ. Another part of my professional life that, uh, Carla, you and I have shared together on is... uh, I was a I was an educator uh, prior to uh, coming to work full time with Community of Christ. I served as a, a principal in uh, the education field out in Washington State, uh, uh, where I served uh, just north of Seattle um, in a school district there. So I've been a, a principal for a number of years, uh, um, also as a counselor, but uh, started that journey in education as a music teacher. So. That, uh, that takes me back to my, my foundation and core. I'm a, I'm a musician and, and again, served uh, 10 years as a, as a music educator. And uh, there are days that I, I miss that, uh, those kind of relationships with the, with the students and, and uh, teaching music and experiencing that um, opportunity with them. So that, uh, that's kind of my professional life, both education and then on the church uh, side. You know what I realized is I, I was actually thinking about this this podcast that my whole career has been a, a journey of of helping people in their life formation. It started as an educator working in their educational formation and developing their lives, um, and then now has evolved to uh, the spiritual formation side as I have the opportunity of working with people in and through the church as part of that journey of their life so i uh, yeah i've been in this life formation experience and journey as as part of my own um process and career over the years so i've been yeah, deeply blessed in that as i as i found myself kind of reflecting on that journey that brings me to where i'm at today
1: isn't it wonderful to have the opportunity to look back and see how your life has gone on this path and i totally agree with you i I feel the same way about my life and, you know, learning how to be a teacher and learning how to be in front of people and learning how to structure a class is, has been invaluable to my time as a minister. And so I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity to have, for this to be my second career. And I just totally agree with you. Thank you so much for that explanation. Yeah. Um. So Scott, um, what spiritual practice do you use to best connect with the divine?
0: Oh boy. That uh, it's tough to narrow it down, but uh, you know there are. As I've grown and, and, and evolved into my my experience and, and understanding about this thing that we call spiritual formation, probably some of the practices that have become so important and meaningful for me, where I'm at today, would be uh, the practice of silence the practice of slowing, uh, the practice of listening, um, centering prayer, the, just the very nature of, of breathing and um, dwelling in the word in Scripture as just a way of allowing Scripture to be formative in my life um, in addition to being informative um, in my own journey. But I think that silence has um, has become so important as part of my my daily experience. You know, I, as I indicated, music is is such an important part for me, and that I'll probably speak to that here in a moment. But you know, in in the midst of the noise that we live in and experience in, at least in the Western culture. Uh, in the places where I where I live and serve, um, just the noise at times can be overwhelming. I remember doing some reading, and one of my authors that I, I love, Barbara Brown Taylor, and, and in the book uh, that she wrote, When God is Silent, um, she talks about that we just live in this, this pollution of words and, and noise that has greatly impacted us. So I... The practice of silence has has become an important part and discipline in my life. So when I'm driving to work, I have about a, a 20 to 30 minute drive uh, from my home into to the office at the temple. And rarely do I ever turn my radio on anymore and, and listen to music. Because that has, that has become such an, a sacred time for me to... To be present in in that quietness, and to just allow my mind to settle and to um, kind of dwell, and just to let it go where where it takes me in my reflections and thoughts. At times, as I'm traveling into work, it's it's just that time of prayer and so when I. When I leave the office and get in the car and drive home, it's it's that time of just kind of reflecting on my encounters through the, the day who I had the privilege of encountering what I learned, what I was challenged with. Um, and there are days that it just takes me into deep prayer of of contemplation and uh, wrestling with issues that I had to confront during the day. And so I I'm grateful for that time and. Um, there's times even in the midst of worship that I long for those moments of just quietness. Because even when you think about our, our worship experiences, from the moment we, we enter the sanctuary and, and begin that formal uh, communal worship to the time we end, there's, there's sound, there's words, there's noise, there's music. Um, and there's moments that I just miss the, the presence of quietness that um, has become um, really central in my life and, and that need for that that grounding. So that that's a principle, a spiritual practice that that I try to be very disciplined on on, on a daily basis.
1: Well, you're so right about the the noise in worship. I, I've actually thought for a long time that we're not very kind. To our mystics that are in our congregations, because we never or rarely allow for time for them to sense the divine. Because you're right, um, it's so much easier to fill up space with words and with song, because silence can be really uncomfortable for a lot of people. Um, when you're silent, that means you have to go inside and like you said, in many ways, and maybe we won't like what we find when we go inside of ourselves. So I think that there's a little, might be a little bit of fear uh, in the silence. Do you think that, or have you encountered that?
0: No, abs- absolutely. Because the other principle that has become really important for me is, is the aspect of listening. And in those two principles and practices of, of silence and listening have to work together. So it's not just about being quiet, but you're quiet so you can listen in a different way. And if you listen, you actually may discover things that at times we want to keep in the back of our, our mind. Um, and it, it uh, we may be we may be hearing the spirit speaking to us in a way that we would sometimes choose to to avoid. Um, but I, I do think that it, it can be scary and, um, because it does take us into a different place. And I think that that's why one of the, the new hymns in the, uh, our uh, Com- Community of Christ sings that, that I've just come to love. And, and because one, it, it's just so short and, and easy, but the words, um, listen in the silence, this is hymn 153, listen in the silence. Listen in the noise. Listen for the sound of the Spirit's voice, and so that repetitive hymn and singing in both that challenge of the silence, but also in the noise, the importance that we of listening for that deeper voice of, of God that seeks to speak to us in, in a new way um, is is really important. So that, uh, yeah, I would hope that we we would not let our fears get in the way of that, that need to listen in in a more intentional way, because I I think if we listen more carefully, there are rich blessings that come in the midst of both that, that silence, but listening even in the midst of noise that, uh, that we can hear as the spirit seeks to speak to us.
1: Yeah. I'm, I think that one of the, issues for a lot of people in the listening because is that you have to give up control and you have to be vulnerable if you're truly listening that means you're allowing the other person to influence you and when however many ways you just have to be okay with what they're saying instead of trying to steer the conversation or change them in some way you just have to let them be who they are so, you can be who you are. And giving up that control, I think, has been, is is really, um, it's just really scary for a lot of people, myself included. It's, it's hard to truly listen to God or to another person. So, I appreciate your words on that. Thanks for saying that.
0: Yeah. Thank you.
1: So, um, you, you talked about, um, how you do the spiritual practice of silence and slowing and listening in the car. Is there any other place that you do it or is there any other time of day when you find yourself? yearning for that or is it mostly just in the car
0: well no you know one of the things that i in, at least in my experience um, carla is well i try to be disciplined on a daily basis just to pause t- to a- again read scripture or to engage in um, listening or some practice but you know the it's, for me, it's more than just an, uh, dedicating 15, 20, 30 minutes you know, a day to that practice, and then then we're done with that practice, and we kind of move on with life. What I've come to recognize in my own journey is the, is the importance and power of practices in the midst of the complex and busyness of our life. Um and so I try to be intentional during the day, just for a moment of silence or listening or pausing or slowing. Um, that you know, it may be it may be fifteen twenty seconds. It may be just a couple minutes. It may be taking ten fifteen minutes to to go in, into the temple sanctuary. Um, or just prayer and and meditation, but it's for me, it's about those just intentional moments in the journey of our daily life that that becomes formative for me and not just trying to find large blocks of time. So again, I think finding large blocks of time are important discipline, because it takes us into a different kind of mindset and, and experience. But it, the the moments that were intentional throughout the day also become informative because it means that we are being intentional about giving time and space to opening our life to be present to God, who I believe is always present to us. Um that's why slowing has become an important part of my discipline. I, I gained a nickname when I was a principal, my teachers, um, nicknamed me scooter because I was, I was always all over the building and, you know, up and down the hallways and in classrooms. And I was just that active moving person being present in the midst of the the school community. Um, and so they named me scooter um, which uh, again was always a, um, an enduring term for me in my relationship with my, my staff and, and faculty there. Um, but I've also recognized though that it, it defines the busyness of my life and, and I can get moving up and down the hallways here at the at the temple complex and going from one meeting and one office to another. Mm-hmm. Um, and how easy it is for me just to get caught up into the busyness of doing the work. And so I work hard to try to be intentional, to slow down at times when I'm in the hallways, when I'm going someplace, just to be mindful of the space that I'm in or to slow down for a moment just to pause at the window in my office that, that overlooks the sp- This um, spiral of the temple going up. To take just a few moments on a on a beautiful sunny day to to take in the beauty of of the temple and those moments. So the practice of being intentional throughout the day is a part of that ongoing formation for me that has been really important. Rather than just treating spiritual formation as a time block that I add on to the duties of my day. I don't know if that makes sense.
1: You know, it's so weird that we're talking about this because uh, I've been doing a, a, an app called the headspace app and it's a, it's a meditation, a guided meditation for every day. And so after you get through the foundational courses, you get to choose what kind of pack you want to do. And I chose get this Patience, So something I desperately need. So, ah. right. So for the yeah. last 10 days, I've been, um, my meditation has been all about patience and really like he is, he was saying exactly what you've been saying. It's, it's so important to take time out throughout your day to recognize when you're being impatient or recognize when your mind is just going a hundred miles an hour and you can't seem to stop it and bring yourself back, center yourself And see if that's where you really want your mind to go. And so he suggested, you know, putting like a post-it note on your monitor if you're always at your computer, just as like a gentle reminder to... Take time for yourself and put yourself first because when you're running from meeting to meeting and person to person, you're not putting yourself first. You're not making sure that you are as good as you can be for those people and for those meetings. It's not selfish. It's important. So, gosh, I, I feel like you're yeah. echoing what I'm learning, and I'm just so grateful to hear it.
0: Well, I'm glad you're learning that. That's great. <laughs> it's taken yeah. time. I, I no, need a lot of patience. Um, it's so, yeah, that's why this formation stuff is a process. it It does it takes a lifelong journey to, uh, to actually get it figured out.
1: It really does. And I think yeah. another key, and you didn't mention this, but it I could kind of hear it in your words, is that you need to be gentle with yourself and not like beat yourself up if you do happen to have a running day. If you do happen to have a scooter day, <laughs> don't beat yourself up, just try yeah. again and do better tomorrow.
0: Well, thank you for that reminder because I, I have a tendency to be critical critical of myself at times, so thank you.
1: Yes, it, you need to be gentle to my friend, Scott. So um, speaking of, I guess I kind of gave a tip, but do you have any tips for people that um, might want to start learning how to slow down or appreciate the silence? Is there anything that you've learned in the past couple of years of doing that that might be helpful?
0: Um. Well, first of all, it has to begin out of one's intentionality. And one has to, again, be mindful of that, of that need and, and desire to really begin to engage in that practice in their life. You know, I think that that's the other kind of real learning for me over my journey that I think I always treated spirituality and formation as as something that just happened um, because I was a Christian. I was a disciple. I went to church, um, and, and and I realized that it doesn't work on autopilot. Formation is is about intentionality, and so to be intentional means that that has to come from an internal desire for our life, to make a change, to grow, to be open. And so I, that would be just my first advice is for people to, if, if, if they are serious about engaging in a formational journey and experience in their life, it has to come from the desire of their heart and soul. And then it has to begin with, how do I begin to take that step You know, and and I think that your, your suggestion, you know, putting a a stick at uh, a post-it note on your monitor or something in your home or at your office that serves as that trigger for you, um, just to pause. But I think it's, it's also beginning with just start with one spiritual practice and experiment with it. Um, sometimes I think if people read about spiritual formation and they encounter all of these different practices, it can feel overwhelming because then they think, well, geez, where, what do I do? Which one's right for me and all of that? Um, and and I, my advice would be just just pick one that that begins to resonate with you. And if it doesn't, that's okay. There are spiritual practices that don't, work for me. Um, I've tried them. I've experimented with them, but they don't work with me. And so I've, I've just said, hmm, that practice doesn't work. I set that aside and, and I pick up another one and try it. So I think for people just to try one, work with it for a bit. If, if it works, great. If not, that's okay. But then you can begin to try another one and to expand your repertoire of of practices that are available, um, both ancient practices and new practices that people have developed that, that can be meaningful. Um, but, you know, I think if, if anything, Carla, um, any practice begins with the, just the very nature of stopping and breathing. Um, I think every practice has, has it at its core and foundation, the presence of just pausing and breathing—if um, if one can even begin there and be mindful of what you're doing—that's a great start. That will open a pathway uh, to to other opportunities and uh, discoveries that um, that I think can be enriching as part of that formational um, experience.
1: Yeah. I agree, yeah. it really is simple. So, um, you, you kind of mentioned this a little bit, but I, I wanted to know if there was more to expand on it. So, you talk about being uh, quiet in the car and um, just allowing yourself to slow and, and listen when you're in the car, but how does that change your day? Um, if you do that versus if you don't do that, it, do you recognize a difference mm-hmm. or no?
0: Cl- clearly. You know, I, I actually wrote on this um, on a reflection um, about a month ago and um, it's about breathing. I, I, there, there's times it, it just in the midst of the busyness of life that um, when I, when I actually pause in in the midst of quietness and slowing, I I recognize how shallow my breathing is. And and so part of one of the, one of the things that I do is, is I try to just breathe as deep as my, my physical capacity can allow. Um, and, And to hold that breath in and then to let that breath out and to do that a few times and I'm amazed at what the difference that I begin to feel in my body. There's a calming, there's a relaxing um, essence that I begin to feel when I allow this, this thing that we call oxygen and air to, to actually fill my lungs and to expand my, uh, my capacity physically. Um, it has a physical... Um, impact of just feeling more relaxed and at ease. Um, so, so that is one of the things that I try to do when I'm, um, when I'm quiet is to breathe more deeply and to just be mindful of that breath and, and the blessing of breath and air that, that sustains life. The other thing in in, in the midst of, of silence and listening, um, it is especially when I'm in nature. Uh, that's the uh, that's another special and, and sacred time for me is just to be outdoors in in the midst of nature and the trees, and, and it's just this listening to to the sounds. I love sitting on my deck um, at my home because it. I have I have a wooded area be- behind my home, and just to sit out there in the mornings at times with my eyes closed and just to listen, I begin to hear things in a different way. I, I hear the squirrels jumping in the trees and from trees, and um, you know I'll, I'll hear other sounds of birds that that I think too many times just when I'm I'm just going through life I don't hear those those kind of sounds. And so those become kind of the moments of blessing for me um, in that essence of, of quietness and listening in a different way, which again, just ultimately is a moment of joy that can put me into a different place, especially if I've had a difficult, challenging day. If I go home and sit on my deck um, and can just breathe and listen um it i can feel that stress just kind of strip away from me and and uh, uh letting go yeah.
1: yeah i feel like our bodies <laughs> yearn for this kind of um these kind of practices i when you were talking about the the deep breathing that you do i realized that when i sit down to meditate my shoulders are almost always up by my ears You know, and I'm because I'm holding myself. And when I start to breathe, they immediately just go down. (laughs) And I I, I physically just like, uh, I go down into my meditation pillow and it just feels amazing. (laughs) So, and I don't recognize that my shoulders are way up there that I'm so stressed all the time. So, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Oh, I think our bodies just yearn for that. Oh, gosh. Thank you for saying that.
0: I agree. Yeah.
1: Um, so you've talked a lot about your practice, um, which is very good. I really appreciate it because mostly I appreciate it because it's really just so simple. <laughs> For your practice, you don't need anything at all. Literally, you need your lungs and you need your breath, and you're done.
0: So yeah, it's you know, in in one of the other practices that I that I engage in with listening, and this is out of my music background, it's just again, music is another really nurturing. Um, experience for me, but when I'm using it as a spiritual practice, it's it's not that I'm singing along with it or just listening to the melody. I actually am trying to listen to all of the sounds behind the melody that that adds to the wholeness of of the sound. And for me, it's really a process of being present with and to um, the music that it speaks. Because I, as I listen to it, I begin to remind myself that music comes out of the creation of a human's life that that had this this experience that they put down in terms of tones and notes on page. But when when music's played, it's it's also an expression of another person's life who in, who interprets those notes on a page that that now comes out of their life and so when i'm listening to music it also it, it just becomes this this moment of connection with other lives that shaped and created that music and so there becomes this communal moment and and so music we all listen to music and so it listening and, and music can actually be a, another practice that takes us into a different way of listening um, that can be so simple when we just allow ourselves in different ways to encounter the music.
1: Even One Direction.
0: <laughs> Even One Direction.
1: Really? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, how interesting to try and listen behind it, it. It sounds like you are just intentionally and like trying to be in that present moment and listen to the music so that's really cool to even think about i've never thought about listening to music in that way so i might might try it with one direction and then give you a call and let you know if it works or not
0: yeah some you you know you're going to clue into some music better than others (laughs) i know I'll let people make their own determination (laughs) on what speaks to them.
1: Uh, I think that's probably a pretty good idea. Um, (laughs) So you've talked a lot about your personal practice, which is great. But do you have a favorite group practice that you like to do uh, um, with a lot of different people? You mentioned dwelling in the word earlier. Is that your favorite group practice?
0: You know, it probably is because, yeah, um, yeah I, I would say it, at this point in, in my journey that dwelling in the word as a as a group practice um, yeah is just such an enjoyable experience so when I'm out teaching uh, in, in the field I consistently use that as a as a f- um, formative practice um, in the class to draw people in and I just love listening to people how people what they draw out of scripture and how it speaks to them um, wherever they're at in their own life and journey how scripture can still speak to them and that just becomes an enriching moment for me um, to listen to to how people encounter and and what speaks to them and how it may be so much different than what speaks to me but yet the rich the rich moment that. That scripture speaks to all of us in unique ways. So, yeah, I would probably say dwelling in the Word is is probably my most enjoyable group practice at this moment.
1: I really enjoy it, too. It helps me to remember that as a group and as a community, we're a lot smarter than we are individually, you know, because it takes all of us to build that community. I really love that aspect of it.
0: Well, and and it's, you know, it's interesting, too, when you talk about group practices, one you know, another practice that I try to be mindful of at, at times is allowing the life of another to be a teacher to me. And so dwelling in the Word as a group practice creates that opportunity because I'm always learning. So I can have my own experiences and in, insight through the practice. But when, I, when I'm with others and I allow them to, to be a teacher to me in that moment, Ah, just this great, great experience of, of both relationships, but drawing out of their life journeys and experience and how that begins to speak to me or, or challenge me or disrupt me in a new way that maybe my mind would have never gone there on its own. So I, uh, I love those moments of being disrupted because it just broadens my, my awareness of, of life and experiences that, that people have. Uh, and how scripture, again, can be those kind of entry points that that help us think about those things in, in different ways.
1: I completely agree. Uh, and it also gives you just a really amazing insight into particular people. You know, what they see or what they hear and what they say and how they process is is a really um, important way to build community. And in my mind, it, it just deepens your relationship further and further down. So I too appreciate dwelling in the word. And I think that we've talked about what that is on this podcast before, but if we haven't, we'll talk about it in the future, I'm sure. So thanks for sharing that. Um, my, I was wondering, uh, if you have any resources that you have used in the past to help you with your spiritual practices and, you mentioned Barbara Brown Taylor's book "When God Is Silent." Have there been other been other books or websites that have been helpful to you in your journey?
0: Yeah, you know, probably one of my my favorite resources that um, that I keep on my shelf is um, it, it's called "Spiritual Disciplines Handbook: Practices That Transform Us," and this is by uh, Adele Obberg. Nicole Calhoun, but it is a, it's this wonderful resource of multiple practices that, that people can draw on. And so it it provides this, just this kind of brief one page overview of the practice. Um, it gives a little bit of experience with it. Um, it provides um, some definition, it gives scripture, references that can be used with it and then, um, raises some questions and for the spiritual exercise that people can engage in. And so this is, um, it's such a simple, um, text, but has just this rich array of, of opportunities and experiences that, um, have enriched my opportunity and ways to, um, experiment with different practices that, uh, um, that I was not always aware of, so that that is a resource that I um, deeply value. I, you know, I think you know other resources again. Barbara Brown Taylor. Just reading uh, things from Barbara Brown Taylor, just as as an author, writer, and reflector, just reading her stuff it is um, it is a formational experience for me. Um, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed using some of the the resources that Joyce um, Rupp, um, R-U-P-P, have, has written. Um, um, the, the uh, oh, I'm trying to think of the book now. It's called The Cup or The Empty Cup or um, The Cup of Life. I, I'm trying to – yeah, something – it's a book entitled Cup, but uh, um, that resource and, and other things that she's written has been um, a great help. Writers like uh, Parker Palmer, um, Harry Nowen, his website, and, and daily meditation and reflection that I get uh, into my email every day um, are a part of of what I engage in and, and experience. Um, so those are just some uh, a few of, of those that I that I use on a regular basis.
1: Oh, that sounds great! I've heard of many of those people, but not all of those people. And and you're so right about people like Barbara Brown Taylor and Henry Nowen it's like when you read what they've written, you know that they are writing it from an incredibly deep place <laughs> and it almost takes you into a bit of a, um, a deeper place yourself just by reading their words. Like they're such wordsmiths, you know, I yeah. i am with you on that. Um, and I'm pretty sold on the spiritual disciplines handbook. That sounds pretty awesome. I might go onto Amazon right after this and see if I can find it because, um, having that on your bookshelf is probably a really good idea for congregations and and for personal or just for personal practices.
0: Absolutely. I highly recommend it.
1: Cool. Well, Scott, I'm so grateful that you took some time out of your incredibly busy schedule to talk to us about your spiritual practices. And I, am, I just want to say that I'm incredibly appreciative that um, leaders of the church take time out to do these kinds of things because... I mean, it's not easy to try and figure out where God is calling us to go. And, and I think that spiritual practices is a really important way to figure that out. So I'm really grateful that you take the time to do that. I, it's, it means a lot to hear about it.
0: Well, Carla, it's always a privilege to be with you and to uh, have conversation with you. And so mm. thank you for that.
1: Well, thank you for being on the show.
0: The views expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official views of the Latter-day Seekers team or of Community of Christ. The music has been provided by Ben Howington. You can find his music at mormonguitar.com